You're listening to the Dangerous Prayer Sermon Series at Sojourn Church Midtown. In this series, we see how God invites us to grow in Christlikeness and step into His mission as we learn to pray, search us, break us, unite us, and send us. Peace be with you. Today's scripture reading is Psalm 51, 1 through 14 and 17. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along in your bulletin or on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion, completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, And you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore, restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken, humbled heart, God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Peace be with you. Uh, you Pray with me. Gracious Father, we thank you for uh, this day that you have given us. Help us to store these next few uh, minutes well. Open up our, our hearts and our minds uh, to receive your word. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it is 2020, y'all. We are starting a new decade, and uh, I hope that that's exciting for you. God can do a lot, as you all know, in, in 10 years. He can do a lot uh, in 10 days, in 10 hours, in 10 seconds. And our prayer is that as we enter into this new decade, that he will just mark us, continue to mark us with his grace and allow us to, to be pleasing to him. You know, growing up, I uh, played baseball and uh, I enjoyed baseball. It was a, a sport uh, that I, I deeply loved. And my favorite baseball player was a guy by the name of Ricky Henderson. He played for the Oakland A's. And what made him my favorite is the way that he actually ran the bases. He's the all-time steals leader. And I just would mimic him when I played, uh, whenever I was on first base, the way he stood, the way he moved, the way he played with the the pitcher as the pitcher was trying to get him out. And every now and then I would get a, a, a sign from our third base coach, which meant to steal a base. 
And a sign would be something kind of fun, right? And I would get so excited, I'll get in my Ricky Henderson mode. Now, I wasn't anywhere as fast as Ricky Henderson. Um, I, I, I was quick, but I wasn't fast, right? You know, I can get from here to here pretty quickly, but from there to there, you know, it wasn't as, as fast as I would like. But every now and then, I was still a base, and I would be looking at my third base coach, and then he'll give me the signal. And for those of you who watch baseball, you know the signal. The signal from the third base coach is something like this. <laughs> and he taught us, when he gave us a signal, don't worry about what happened to the ball, if the ball got overthrown by the first baseman or they're not paying attention. You just focus on that base, run full speed ahead, and get there as quickly as possible. And I just loved that. It was exhilarating, you know? It, it, was, it was something that would just hit, and it was fun, but at the same time, it just felt like it was dangerous. It felt like it was risky. Like, like what's happening behind me? Am I about to get out, you know? And you just run for it. You just go for it. And when I think about 2020, and I think about our church, I think the Lord is, is, is doing this. He's inviting us as a church to take the next base, to take the next step in him. He's inviting us to, to continue to turn from being a crowd of people to being a church, a people who are all moving in the same direction with the same goal. And to get us there, uh, we need to realize that the only way that we're going to get there is by being a prayerful people. Uh, God has given us this discipline of prayer. God has given us this invitation to be in constant communication with him, to be in constant prayer with him so that we can experience intimacy with him, so that our faith can grow and we can see that he answers our prayers, but also so that uh, we can be developed as we pray and as we long and as we wait. And the series that we're on and that uh, Pastor Timothy Paul Jones started us off with so well last week is a series called Dangerous Prayers. And these are prayers that uh, we uh, don't often find ourselves praying. Uh, many of us, we pray kind of the same prayer uh, over and over. And we maybe have the same categories that we pray. But these dangerous prayers are prayers that, in which we are surrendering to the Lord and we are inviting the Lord to do a work in us to help us to fulfill his vision and his mission for our lives and for our church. And so last week we looked at the prayer of search me. And we looked at Psalm 139 and how uh, the psalmist prayed that the Lord would just search him, that the Lord would reveal to him anything that was in his heart uh, that wasn't pleasing to him, that the, that the Lord who already knows him will help him to take that next step. And this week we're praying a prayer that I'm pretty sure most of us have never prayed. And that's the prayer, break us, break me. <laughs> about five times this week, I was out and about in Louisville, ran into the members or people who know that I'm a pastor of Sojourn. And, and each time the conversation kind of went the same way. Hey, pastor, what are you preaching this week? And that's a dangerous question to ask a pastor, by the way. Uh, some of y'all have asked me that in public and I've like practiced my whole sermon on y'all, right? You're like, bro, I just asked what you was preaching. I didn't ask to hear the sermon, right? <laughs> but I kept getting asked the same question. And every time I said, oh, we're preaching a series called Dangerous Prayer, and this week is Break Us. And every single time, people would just kind of pause, look around, and they kind of gave that awkward look like, 
interesting, right? <laughs> Break us. That's an odd prayer. Break us. That's a dangerous prayer. Break, Break us. Like, yo, this is 2020. I mean, Pastor, I would rather pray, bless us. Like, keep us. Transform us. Heck, make us. I mean, 2020, the, the start of a new year is supposed to rhyme, right? 2020, the year of plenty. Like, pray for plenty. But, Lord, don't, don't have me pray. Break me. Pastor Jamal, you don't understand. I, I feel like 2019 was a year of breaking. Matter of fact, 2018 was a year breaking. Pastor Jamal, I feel like since I've been an adult, you've been breaking, the Lord's been breaking me. Why in the world would I pray such a dangerous prayer like break me? Well, I want you to understand, when we pray break we, or break us, we're not praying that the Lord would kill us. Uh, we're not praying that the Lord would harm us. We're not praying and being sadistic and praying that the Lord would just take something away from us for the sake of us experiencing pain. No, we're praying that the Lord will break our hearts for the things that break his. That the Lord will make our hearts susceptible to his spirit. That the Lord will keep us in line with his will. That the Lord will reveal if there's anything in us that is not pleasing to him so that we would experience intimacy with him and abide in him in such a way that others would see it and want to know him. So we're going to pray together. Break us. It's a dangerous prayer. It's a, it's a risky prayer, but we should pray it for a number of different reasons. One of the reasons we should pray it is because of our vision. And our vision as a church is to be uh, gritty disciple makers, and it's to fill up our city with gritty disciple makers. And we define gritty as a disciple um, who is seeking to make disciples, as a person who is filled with both an attitude of, of passion for Jesus and perseverance. And the only way that we're going to fill up this city with gritty disciple makers, with, with, with disciples who are, are willing to get dirt under their nails, with disciples who want to crash into heaven rather than cruise into heaven, with disciples who uh, want to pick up their cross and, and follow Jesus daily, the only way that we're going to fill up our city with gritty disciple makers is if we're willing to take risk and if we're willing to pray with risk. Filling up a city with gritty disciple makers isn't going to come easy. But second, we want to pray break us because we want to experience God. And experiencing intimacy with God mostly comes through brokenness. It, it, it doesn't come through us uh, being strong. It comes when we are weak. The Apostle Paul said that it is in my, my, my weakness that his strength is perfected. And this upside down kingdom that we are a part of, God draws near to those who are broken. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed, flourishing are those who mourn. Flourishing are those who live with an attitude that doesn't want to ignore the state of the world, that doesn't want to ignore the state of their own hearts, that doesn't want to ignore the state of, of those who are lost, who they come into uh, communion with, but who, want, who accept it and who accept it and who are, are, are grieved by it, but who are crying out to the Lord to have his way. Intimacy comes 
with our brokenness. I was recently talking to a, a friend of mine's and this friend uh, was going through a, a, a really hard storm. And my friend told me that in going through this storm that the Lord revealed uh, something that was in their heart. And they revealed how angry of a person that they were. He said, even though this storm was horrific, God used this storm to, to reveal what was in me. And as a result, it, it caused me to draw closer to him. And I feel, I feel his presence. Another reason we want to pray this prayer of break me is, is because of that. Is that we are developed and greatly used by God when we allow him to have his way in us. We want to pray, Lord, break me so that he can develop us. So that he can develop us. You know, we stay in a digital age, right? We have cameras that are in our pocket right now, which is amazing. We can take a picture, we can upload it, and someone on the other side of the world can see it within minutes. I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. We can just go on, these, on our uh, uh, social media accounts and we can, we can search and we can see how people are living um, uh, across the globe just like that. Hasn't always been the same, been that way. Back in the day, we had uh, Polaroid cameras, which are making a comeback, right? Y'all remember those? Some of you are like, what? You can Google it, right? Um, it was these cameras that people used to use and they'd take a picture and then the, the the picture would actually print and then you have to sit there and you wait and then you like shake, 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 shake your Polaroid. All right. Anyway. And so you would shake this thing and then all of a sudden that image that you just took would like be printed out and in front of you. But then before then there's a camera called a 35 millimeter camera. And it's where you had to take like the roll that was in the, in the camera and you had to go into a dark room and you had to develop it through like a nine-step chemical process. And the way in which the film was developed was in the dark. It was in the dark. And if you open the door and if you allow light to come, it could actually destroy the film. The only way that the image was going to come out and be potent is, is through the developmental process. It's through the darkness. What I've discovered is that we live in a time that is where Christians and people have a digital mindset. Where we don't want to be developed, we want to be discovered. We live in a time where we can put our best foot forward on social media. We live in a time where we can go to Amazon and access whatever we feel like we, we need to to feel comfort and, and security. We, we live in a time in which we can just uh, 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 eloquently uh, uh, write something or, or pose in a way that everyone would think that we're more mature than we actually are. And for many of us, we want to be discovered. We want to be liked. We want to be loved. And as long as everybody sees this image, then we must be right. As long as everyone is affirming me, then I must be good. But the problem is, is that the way that God develops character, the way that God develops the people that he uses is he develops them by allowing them to be developed in the dark. 
in 2020, and this decade is a year that, that I want us as a church to desire to be developed more than to be discovered. A year where we actually allow the Holy Spirit to, to work deep in our hearts, where we pray, search me, and when the Lord reveals to us, like he revealed to David through Nathan, that there was some things in us that, that need to change, that we will fall on our face and say, Lord, develop. Do whatever you have to do to conform me to the image of your son. Create in me a clean heart and renew in me the right spirit. Lord, you be my identity. You be my shelter. You be my food. You be my drink. Lord, make me obsessed with your presence and what you say about me rather than, than other people discovering Listen, there's a, there's a formula in a scripture with, with everyone who is greatly used by God. And the formula is simply like this. God calls them. God gives them an assignment. With that assignment, there normally is joy and anticipation. Then there comes a testing and a brokenness. And then a blessing. You can do this with Job. You can see this with Abram. You can see this with Moses. You can see this with Esther. You can see this with David. There is a calling. Oh, Lord, praise the Lord. I've been called to, to have my, my seed uh, be as numerous uh, as the uh, uh, sands on, uh, on a shore, as the stars are in heaven. Then there's a brokenness. Wait a minute. I'm barren. How, how am I barren when you've called me to be the father of many nations? And then there's the, the blessing. And the same is true in you and my life. Our life is, is a constant rhythm of the gospel. There is life, there is death, there is burial, and there is resurrection. And the blessing I'm talking about is, is not a, a blessing of stuff. It's not, not a blessing of, 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 of prominence. It's a, a blessing of intimacy. It's a blessing of, of knowledge. It's the blessing of going from one degree of glory to another. It's a blessing of knowing Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. But the only way we get there is by being broken. Charles Spurgeon has a great quote when he says, whenever God means to make a great man, he always first breaks him into pieces. Whenever God means to break a great woman, he always first breaks her into pieces. Jesus isn't all that you have until he brings you to a point where you see that he's all that you got. My prayer is as a church that we would pray Psalm 73 and 25, who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That is a prayer that was prayed by a, a man who had been broken. That was a prayer, if you read that psalm, of a, uh, of a man who had become envious because he saw the wicked perishing and his prayers were not being answered. That was a man who was, who was developed in a dark room. dark moan. So what God wants to do, in the words of Lauren Hill, how are you going to win when you ain't right within? God wants us to become right within. And so how do we know? That's why I want to spend the rest of our time, next 15 minutes, looking at how do we know that we are being broken and responding in a way that pleases to God? 
Because we're going to pray this prayer and God's going to answer this prayer. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to keep it 100. I'm going to keep it real. Whether you pray this prayer or not, God is going to break you. <laughs> so might as well just pray it and say, Lord, at least I'm, I, I know what's coming and, and you can have your way. But how do you know? How do you know when you are submitting to the spirit, when you are walking in the spirit through the process of being broken? Well, that's where we see Psalm 51. You can read in, in most of your, your Bibles, the, the backdrop of Psalm 51 is one of the only uh, one of the Psalms that we know the exact circumstances in which it was written. King David violated Uriah's wife took what did not belong to her, abused his power, slept with her. She uh, became uh, pregnant, and then he killed her husband. Um, and so David then is confronted by a prophet by the name of Nathan. And praise God for men and women like Nathan, whom God uses to break us. Because the thing with sin is that, and you guys heard me say it a thousand times and you hear a thousand times more, it binds us, it blinds us, and it, and it grinds us. Y'all good. <laughs> right? Uh, sin binds, blinds, and then grinds. And, and sometimes it binds us to the point that we can do the most atrocious things. We can, we can be completely off task and everyone can see it but us, like Nathan, like David. And sometimes it takes a, a, a friend, a word, or something that God will use to help us to see ourselves. And so David sees himself, and he writes this. And I want to give you some quick signs of how do you know, how do you know that the Lord is answering your prayer, break me. First sign is this. A person who has truly been broken by the Lord is a person who is learning to trust the character of God as he has revealed it. Verse one, be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. So David, even in the midst of his sin, returns back to the father, returns back to God because he trusts the character of God. He trusts God as he revealed himself. We read this in Exodus. Moses is talking to God and he asks God to show him his glory, to show him his face. God's like, bro, I can't show you my face. If I show you my face, you're going to die. I'm too holy. I'm too set apart. And so what God did is he hid Moses behind a rock. And then he, he passed. He allowed his backside to pass past Moses and he flexed his muscles a little bit and then he preached to him and this is what he preached the Lord the Lord is compassionate and gracious a gracious God slow to anger abounding in steadfast love and truth maintaining faithful love to the thousands generation forgiving iniquity rebellion and sin but he will not leave the guilty unpunished bringing the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the fourth and, and fifth fourth, third and fourth generation so Moses here sees a vision of God's glory, hears God preach about himself. And you saw the first part of what he preached. And it's exactly what, what David writes here, that the Lord is gracious, that the Lord is faithful in love, that the Lord is abundant in compassion. How do you know that the Lord has broken? You know that the Lord has broken you because you are coming to a place where you trust him more, 
when you trust him more than yourself, which is our second point. We know that we're submitting to the Lord's process of breaking when we are learning to reject self-pity. When we're learning to trust the gospel, because what self-pity does is it actually alienates us from this God who has revealed that he is faithful in love. Now, let me bring you to, to the new covenant. From this God who has revealed that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, 1 John 1 and 9. And what, what ends up happening is the Lord begins to break us. And maybe it's because of sin. He could also not be breaking us because of sin. He could be breaking us uh, uh, that we know. He could be breaking us of things that we don't know. He could be breaking us of, of unhelpful attitudes. He could be breaking us of carrying around unnecessary weights. The Lord could be doing a thousand different things in our life. But when we respond with self-pity, we're responding not by trusting the Lord, but by trusting in ourselves. We're responding by saying, Lord, I don't believe your gospel. I don't believe your good news. I believe that salvation is by, by works. I believe that the only way that I'm pleased, uh, that you're pleased with me, is, is if I have it all together. But when God breaks us and brings us to a place, we respond like David. Lord, I need you. And it's not about me. It's about you. This psalm is so God-centered. Listen to what he says, verse 2. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before you. Against you and you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. And David isn't abdicating responsibility. He's not saying that he didn't sin against Bathsheba and Israel and Uriah. He's using hyperbole to say that he understands that his biggest sin, the biggest fault that he had was not in, in, in trusting God, was not in living before him in holiness. But we want to notice how God-centered David is rather than self-centered. See, the good news of the gospel is that when we, when we sin and when God is breaking us, he's not punishing us. God does not punish us, especially if we're defining punishment as, as being vindictive and harming us out of spite. What the Bible says he does is he disciplines us. Discipline is meant for development. And yes, we, we will have to pay and we may have to pay consequences for our sin. David slept with Bathsheba. What happens when you do the marriage act is that you, there's a possibility that you're going to get pregnant. They weren't married. She got pregnant. He sold, literally reaped what he sold. That was the consequences of his sin. You go out, you get drunk, you drive, you end up in jail. It's not God punishing you. <laughs> he may be disciplining you, but that is the consequences of you having one too many Heineken's. And then we're in jail, oh, my God, don't love me if he loved me. No, you sow, you reap what you sow. The gospel tells me that even in that, God loves me. God loves me. But he will discipline. He will bring things about so that we can grow. We also see here that the person who 
uh, is, is being broken is a person that is learning to reject entitlement. All of us have a, a over um, sense of entitlement. All of us do. We're, we're born in the, the nature of Adam and, and Eve. And even though we may be Christians, as I say all the time, our old man has not uh, moved out. He or she has moved over. And part of uh, our sin nature is that we feel entitled, like Eve in the garden. We, we want to be gods. And part of the way our entitlements sometimes show up is we don't call a spade a spade. We, we, we don't call our sin sin. Notice what David does here over and over. He calls it sin. He calls it rebellious. He calls it evil. He points us back to the garden. In this endemic uh, nature, he says, I was born, I was conceived in this. This isn't something that just happens. I'm not surprised when I do it. It's in me. That's why the proverb tells us, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else because from it flows the issues of life. That's why God came to Cain and told Cain to to repent and to, to come back with another sacrifice because if it is not, what is sin is crouching at the door. And my concern for this generation, my concern for this church is that we, that we, we have become entitled. And part of the reason we've become entitled is because we don't see sin as sin. We are finding all kinds of psychological ways to abdicate the responsibility that leads us to being broken. We point to our personalities. And I just, you can't say amen. Y'all know what to say. Well, I'm, I'm talking for David. Well, well, Nathan, you know, I would have um, done right, but see, I'm an Enneagram four and I was unhealthy. <laughs> and then my seven who likes to have fun came out. Um, and then the 11 in me was like, yo, and, um, but see, if Uriah had just like come back home, but he was being on an unhealthy three because he was like trying to be effective and trying to stay on mission. Y'all know, for y'all who don't know, Don't worry about it. (laughs) No, we need to call a spade a spade. They said, no, man, this wasn't even just like happenstance. Lord, this was like built in me. Like this was built in my ancestors. This happened because of the fall. I'm not looking to make excuses. I'm not looking to take blame. Like, I'm the problem. That's when you know that that you're submitting to God's breaking. It's not my my roommate's problem that I'm, I'm furious and angry and upset because they play loud music and I'm sinfully angry. It's not my spouse's problem. It's not my friend's problem. It's not Nuke Nuke problem. It's not Bebe's problem. The sin that is on the inside of me is my problem. The way that I respond is my problem. And that's what David sees. He sees that brokenness leads him to say that, it's a, that, that God is ultimately concerned with an inward transformation, not an outward conformity. That's what's amazing about this psalm. I want you to go home and read it because I'm going to have to hurry to a close as I got more sermon and I got time. He, he points to inward transformation. Verse 10, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast, a steadfast spirit. 
Something inward, inward, inward. Verse 6, surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and, and you teach me wisdom deep within. My wife and I, we have a, uh, a marriage coach um, who is uh, a, a part of an organization that works with leaders and helping leaders to kind of uh, uh, live their life in Christ, right? And uh, he said something that really stuck with, uh, with me. Uh, we were just talking about sin and the nature of sin. And he asked the question, he said, so if you are angry sinfully at your wife, but she doesn't know it and you say all the right things to her and then that anger passes and you move on, did you handle the anger the right way by saying something loving, even though everything in you were, was bitter and upset? And the point that he made is that a lot of times we go for external things, like how would my wife experience this? How is my friends going to experience this? How are my children going to experience this? As long as I say the right thing, I'm okay. But the Bible teaches the opposite. Holiness isn't simply external conformity. Holiness and growing in the likeness of Jesus is me having a heart that is not sinfully angry at my wife or that is having a heart that when it is where I, I repent to the Lord, I voice it to her and I deal with that sin because it's just a matter of time. Jesus said this, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so a lot of us, what we do is we cover over our sins because we're doing the right things externally while inwardly we are like ravenous wolves. And what God, when we pray, break me, we're praying, God, I don't want to put a Band-Aid on this anymore. I need you to purify me. I, I need you to hear me and to, to allow my, my bones to rejoice. I need you to create in me a clean heart, a clean inner man. I need you to purify my thoughts, my emotions, my actions, my, my, my views of you, of other people, and of this enchanted world that you've created for your glory. A person who's been per broken is a person who is learning to live for the audience of one. Think about this. David prays this prayer it's a song that is more than likely going to be read and sung in the temple across Israel. Like if I'm writing a song that's going to be read by everybody, I'm probably not going to base it off of my biggest failure. But there's something freeing about the gospel that allows me to say, Lord, I live in the audience of one. And that's not a way in which I can, again, abdicate responsibility and like, oh, you, don't, you can't tell me anything. Only God is my judge. And that's not what I'm saying. But where the gospel frees you to say the worst things about me has already been seen. It has already known. It has already been said. And it's been nailed to a cross over 2,000 years ago. It's been buried. And when I sin, I don't have to hide it. I don't have to abdicate responsibility. I don't, I don't have to throw it away. I can acknowledge it. I can ask for forgiveness. I can repent. I can turn to Jesus and fully experience his presence. David lived in the audience of one. He was like that woman 
in Matthew chapter 26, just before Jesus dies and goes on a cross, uh, Mary uh, takes an alabaster box, some, some, some very expensive perfume, and she breaks it. And she's in Simon the leper's house. And there are disciples there as well as Pharisees and sinners all intrigued by Jesus. And she takes this expensive, expensive perfume. She breaks it. And the Bible says, and she pours. She breaks it and she pours. She breaks it and she pours. And she's got a history. She's got a past. Everybody's turning their nose up at her. But she's worshiping Jesus. She's breaks it and she pours. I believe that was the state of her heart. It was broken and it was poured. It was broken and it was poured. And she pours it over Jesus. She anoints his head. She anoints his feet. Her tears come down. She washes his feet clean with her hair. And she doesn't care that Judas is upset, making excuses like, yo, you going to let her touch you like that? Yo, you know what she's about. You going to let her for real? Master, rabbi, you know, you know what we could do with that money? We could have gave that to the poor. She doesn't care about what other people are saying or what other people are thinking. She is worshiping in the audience of one. Why? Because she don't care about being discovered. She's, she's been developed. Because to who, who has, the person who has been forgiven much, loves much, when we understand the state of our souls and the state of our sin and, and when we understand, like Paul, that I am the chief among all sinners, my, my worship is a, is a broken worship. It's an expensive worship. It's a worship that other people can't understand. It's a worship that, that causes people to, to ridicule. It's a, it's a lifestyle that makes people un, uncomfortable. Because it's not about me, it's about him. It's not about these earthly things that are passing. It's about the eternal things. Well, Paul concluded. So he wrote his last letter to the church in, in chains in Philippi. Lord, my life is a, a drink offering poured out to you. This was a man who had been broken. And now he's pouring. God-centered brokenness is the path to joy in Christ, not self-centeredness. I'll say that again. God-centered brokenness is the path to life. Y'all like, I don't want to be broken. I can't go through. God-centered, God-centered, Christ-centered brokenness. When we experience it while abiding in Christ is the path to joy. Blessed, flourishing are those who mourn. Flourishing are those who are poor in spirit. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Blessed are those who are broken. God's kingdom is upside down. It may not naturally make sense to us. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it may not make sense to us, but, but we experience life when we live as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord our God, which is our reasonable service. our reasonable service. God-centered brokenness is the path to missional renewal. David wrote, he says, then I will teach others your ways. Once I've been restored, once I've submitted to your process of discipline, then I'm able to minister. Once I've been developed, 
Some of us, we want to be discovered, but we don't want to be developed. Got a lot to say. We want to be seen, want to be celebrated. We don't want to be broken. So I want to invite you to pray. Next a couple minutes, we're going to pray. I'm going to invite our, our team to come forth who's going to prepare communion for us. And today you can pray one or three prayers. You can pray break. Break us is a prayer I want all of us to pray. As a church, we desire for the Lord to break us. It's upside down. It's scary. It's painful. I'm like you. I'm like, Lord, hadn't I been broken enough? The Christian life is full of life, death, burial, and resurrection. It's a part of the process. But also pray, break me. That's the prayer today. Break me. Invite the Holy Spirit to wake you up to the ways that he's been breaking you. And if that's too big of a prayer for you, like I'm just not there, I want to invite you to pray an even more specific prayer. Lord, break me in fill in the blank. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.